1: It's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio.
2: Thank you very much for joining us on Red Eye Radio. Eight six six ninety red eye is the phone number, eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. 3339 Heading into a Thanksgiving weekend. Hope you are doing well. You can find out more about me on the Dan Manda Show Facebook page. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter as well. I host a morning show on Super Talk, 99.7 WTN in Nashville, Tennessee. A long, long time ago. I don't know how long it was, but it, it, it feels like at least a couple of years. I referred to President Joe Biden as bubble wrap Biden. And, and there was a reason for that. The reason I refer to the president as bubble wrap Biden is because and this, I think, goes back to the campaign. Where the media was doing everything that they possibly could to protect bubble wrap Biden. And it was so obvious what they were doing, because when he came out and he said, if you don't know whether to vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black. You remember that whole thing? And how there was a lot of the members of the media that just virtually ignored that story. And I thought, you know, it's, it's like they've got him surrounded, covered in bubble wrap. They're doing everything they can to protect him. And, you know, that of course goes into the laptop from hell and how the media deemed it not credible when now we know that it certainly was. And I, Knew that it was credible right from the very beginning, as did a lot of you, because you listen to talk radio. But the media did everything and social media did everything to protect bubble wrap Biden. And I must have said that for quite some time until, quite frankly, I got bored with it and moved on. But imagine my surprise when I saw this headline. This is from Fox News, but it's uh, it was everywhere yesterday. The headline bubble wrap strategy needed to protect Biden from age concerns, according to some Democrats. Yes. So now the White House actually has their own strategy and it is Operation Bubble Wrap Biden. Holy cow. I'd love to take credit, but I won't. I don't want any credit when it comes to anything regarding the Biden administration, even when it's in a negative connotation. But think about this. Because what they're trying to do, and I don't know how they do this. I don't know how they bubble wrap Biden. Safely away from these concerns about his age. Because he's old. And by the way, he's taken what? 39% of his uh, first term in office. Hopefully his only term. 39% of it has been on vacation. You won't hear too many of the uh, media outlets these days reporting on that. But here's the story from Fox News. President Biden may need, quote, a bubble wrap strategy to protect him for the rest of the 2024 campaign. Some Democrats are now readily admitting. There was a story in the New York Times that was followed up by a story in the New York Post, Fox News as well. New York Times chief White House correspondent Peter Baker reported on comments from, quote, current and former administration officials on the strategy to handle concerns over Biden's age ahead of his 81st birthday this week. Biden, currently the oldest person ever to serve as president of the United States, turned 81 years old on Monday if he is reelected and Biden would be 86 years old upon leaving office. How much bubble wrap would you need to protect Joe Biden from concerns about his age? Because obviously what you would have to do is lock the man up, please, lock the man up and not allow him to speak or really do much of anything except maybe cut the occasional ribbon. But the reality is. That President Biden is. Not only is he old at the age of uh, 81, but also he's got the mind of like an 87, 88, 89 year old. Because Donald Trump isn't really, let's be honest, Donald Trump isn't all that far behind. But Trump is sharp than attack, certainly sharper than Joe Biden. While some told Baker the uh, president needed to start getting out on the campaign trail More to show his vigor, you know, what I I read that and some of these Democrats talk about this, his vigor. You see, Biden, when he does that silly little Biden jog where he tries to, you know, jog into a room, jog out of a room. The reality is two or three little fake jog steps are not going to convince the American people of his vigor of his stamina or his mental acuity because it is clear that the man has no vigor. It is clear. The man has no stamina. It is clear. The man has no mental acuity. He just does not. So they went him out on the campaign trail to show his vigor, deploy, deploy more humor to diffuse the matter and even boast about his age rather than ignore it. You know, Steer into the train wreck is what I always say. Steer into the train wreck. But the problem is that he doesn't have the ability to steer into that train wreck because he doesn't have the mental acuity to do so. I mean, he might be good for one line. But the bottom line is that the man is showing his age and there's no amount of bubble wrap That will hide it. And the American people know that. And that's why in poll after poll after poll, it shows that there is a concern about Joe Biden's age. But see, here's the thing that I keep saying. Is that his mental acuity, his vigor and his stamina wouldn't matter if his policies were working, but his policies are not working. And the American people know that. And so Operation Bubble Wrap, whether or not this is going to uh, be a success or not, I, I, I can't see how this is going to help. I mean, can we all be honest? The president, he really hasn't been out there all that much to begin with. He, he simply hasn't. They say that there's some that won him out on the campaign trail. Others, they say, however, says the president need to be protected even more, allowing more time to rest and not sent on so many draining international trips. What some cheekily are now calling the bubble wrap strategy, as in encasing the president in bubble wrap for the next 12 months to make sure he does not trip and fall. You know, that can be verbally that can also be physically i mean let's face it the, the president when he uh, opens his mouth and he starts speaking he trips you know he will he will verbally trip and he fails miserably oftentimes when he tries to speak a recent nbc poll indicates that 59 percent of registered voters have major concerns about biden's physical and mental health as he eyes his second term, with an additional 27% having either moderate or minor concerns. But again, at least for me, it's not about Biden's age necessarily. It's about what he's done to the country, not for the country, but to the country. Meantime, former President Donald Trump, possibly future President Donald Trump, you never really know these days, uh, he released a video earlier today.
3: Next November, you have a choice between war, poverty and weakness under crooked Joe Biden or peace, prosperity and strength under President Donald J. Trump. Just three years ago, our economy was booming. The world was safe and America was strong.
2: You know, I, you folks, some of you have heard me before. Some of you have not. And I have proudly declared myself as a free agent. So I, I don't want you to think that I am just automatically in the tank for Donald Trump because I'm not. In the Republican primary, I am a free agent. I know who I'm not going to vote for, and I know who I am looking at as far as folks that I would vote for. And right now, my big two are Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. There's some aspects of Nikki Haley that I like, but for whatever reason, I just – I don't feel as passionately about her as I do – Uh, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. And frankly, DeSantis has disappointed on the campaign trail. But I just I don't want you to think that I'm a guy that is automatically uh, out there trying to sell Donald Trump's narrative. He can do that himself. And when he just spoke about the economy under uh, his administration, his first four years and the accomplishments that uh, he was able to achieve uh, during his first four years. America was in a far better place from a foreign policy standpoint to an economic standpoint to a southern border, illegal immigration standpoint. We were a lot better off. And you don't have to be a diehard strident Trump supporter. To understand that and more and more people are understanding When you put it through the lens of a Biden administration, how good we were under Donald Trump, like him or not, hate his tweets or not, the man delivered. Now, you may disagree with some of the things that he uh, did. And let's face it, no president is perfect. And you're not going to agree with everything that they do. You're not going to agree agree with everything that they say or tweet. There's some stuff about Donald Trump that I, I don't like and that I didn't like. But you can't ignore that, by and large, he's got scoreboard. And he did talk about the economy in this video. He talked about mortgage rates in this video again that he released a few hours ago. He spoke about the cost of groceries and gas as well, all of which mortgage rates, interest rates, the price of groceries and gas, uh, gas, all of those things have gone up under Joe Biden. And he continued to talk about how the world right now is in flames.
3: I was also the first president in decades who didn't start a war. And I brought our troops back home. We defeated ISIS. And that was it. Everybody came back home where they should be. Yep. Under crooked Joe Biden, the economy is in a shambles and the world is going up in flames.
2: Yeah. And uh, we, we do have some news on Israel and Hamas coming up. And uh, one other soundbite from Donald Trump. It's about a six minute video. Uh, the next soundbite that I'm going to play uh, is the one that is truly making headlines, and I've got that for you straight ahead. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here. This is Red Eye Radio.
1: Lines open for your calls. 866 90 red on Red Eye Radio.
2: Red Eye Radio eight six six ninety Red Eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. Appreciate you being here, heading into a Thanksgiving weekend. So, former President Donald Trump releasing a video earlier today, last night, however you want to say it. But you know, one of the things that that he says to uh, Joe Biden, he says, "All right, so." Uh, Joe, if you want to meet up on the uh, campaign trail, you would absolutely love to do it. And, And basically, the former president saying, bring it on. So if Crooked
3: Joe wants to turn this election into a question of which candidate will defend our democracy and freedom, then I say, bring it on. Let's go, Joe. Bring it on, because you are a corrupt person. You're the most corrupt president in our history. And by the way, the most incompetent president in our history. Because Americans don't like tyrants, we don't like fascists, we don't like communists, and we don't like crooked Joe Biden. You just have to look at the polls.
2: Yeah, and, and listen, when you, when you look at those polls, they show, and I don't need to go through all of the, 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 the many polls that are out there with Joe Biden, about where Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley... Would all beat Joe Biden if the election were held today. But listen to this. Because Trump kept calling Joe Biden Crooked Joe. Six in ten Americans believe that Joe Biden participated in son Hunter Biden's business deals in, they say, Daily Mail. Another dire poll for the president as Republicans zero in on their impeachment investigation. Eighty one percent Republicans were more likely than Democrats, of course, to believe that Joe Biden was uh, was involved in his son's business dealings. Eighty one percent to thirty nine percent. By the way, how is this even possible? Twenty four percent. What this is what's wrong with America? Twenty of the American people have a favorable read on Hunter Biden, a favorable opinion on Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. Now, what do you think of when you think of Hunter Biden? Crack cocaine. How many thousands of pictures of himself did he take naked? course, addictions, prostitutes, all of the things that he has done regarding drugs, again, again, the addictions and so forth, not to mention the crooked business deals. So I I think those uh, the 24 percent who view Hunter Biden favorability uh, favorable are the probably the same ones that are smoking the same crack as he does or maybe did because I don't see how anybody can have a favorable opinion of a guy who has all of those proclivities and he's corrupt. And it is so obvious if you look at the evidence that he is corrupt. But yet somehow, 24 percent of these folks uh, out there view him favorably. Now, note, 55 percent have an unfavorable rating, 37 uh, percent viewing him as very unfavorable. But the 24 percent that view Hunter favorably. I think that those are just the never Trumpers, the never Republicans, the always Democrat, the always Biden folks. That's the only thing that I can think of. But when Donald Trump, again, calling crooked Joe Biden crooked Joe, six in 10 Americans believe that that's true. And at the very least, at the very least, you can say that Joe Biden lied to the American people. Because remember when he said, and I don't have the soundbite handy, but you folks have heard it a thousand times when Joe Biden came out during the debate uh, back then in 2020. And he said that. um, Hunter has made no money doing business with China. And that his son never told him about his overseas business dealings when there is clear evidence out there that, yes, As a matter of fact, Joe and Hunter Biden did work together. And so when the former president talking about the polling, you know, there really is. If if you're Joe Biden, there really is nowhere to rest your eyes. You can run to Nantucket over the Thanksgiving holiday. You can sleep the days away on the beach. But you know what? You simply cannot escape the polls. Oh, by the way. I'm going to try to do this in, in the uh, next uh, half hour. James Rosen. I don't know if you've heard this audio from James Rosen, but he did something incredible with Corinne Jean-Pierre because they, they were talking about the polling. And I don't want to do a, an entire evening of polling talk. But what, what I will tell you is that how James Rosen just very eloquently and with precision Ask Cringe Jean-Pierre. I I call her cringe, not cringe. Uh, Cringe Jean-Pierre. He asked her about the polling and and does the White House take the polling that they see out there seriously? Her answer is something that you have got to hear, and that is coming up right here on uh, Red Eye Radio. Some of the other stories that we're following: uh, Media Matters is being sued by Elon Musk. That story for you, and a whole lot more straight ahead. The phone number is eight six six nine zero Red Eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine.
1: Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis.
2: 86690 Red Eye is the phone number, eight six six nine zero seven 3339. All right, so James Rosen, one of my favorite uh, White House reporters. And rarely does cringe Jean Pierre call on him because uh, let's just face it i mean he way way outmatches cringe when it comes to intelligence and wits and and, and so forth and and so he was asking about we opened up the uh, hour talking about some of the polling that is out there today and uh, over the past a week or so and 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 i've been sharing some of that with you and the polling is not good the polling is simply not good for the president and and so rosen you know, opened up the questioning. It was about a five or six minute dialogue between cringe Jean Pierre and James Rosen. And he did ask about that polling. I want to ask about polling. Uh, In February, the
5: president conducted an interview with I believe it was uh, Telemundo uh, and he was asked about the dismal state of his job approval ratings. And he answered in words to this effect. Do you know anyone that believes the polling these days? and he talked in some detail about the difficulty of getting people on the phone and compiling accurate polling. Whenever you're asked about the president's dismal job approval ratings, Hmm. uh, you say, we're not going to look at polls. We, We look at his accomplishments. And yet, when you are asked about various domestic policy initiatives, you will say, these poll very well. People support what the president wants to do. If you look at the individual subjects on the polling, they support what the president's agenda is. So, once and for all... Are only certain polls valid in your eyes, the ones that support your agenda, or is the polling data that shows that President Biden has been stuck for two years at the the low 40s in his approval ratings, are those valid?
2: You know, ever since the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan, the president has not done well in the polling, and it has been a polling spiral for the last couple of years. And so whether it is and this is and he's absolutely right, by the way, James Rosen is absolutely right. The Democrats oftentimes, especially those within Joe Biden's inner circle, they'll dismiss the poll, the polling. Yet what they will say is that, as James Rosen just pointed out, if it's something having to do with an individual policy, then they'll say, well, the polling is really good on that. Is polling very well? Well, you can't have it both ways. That's number one. And number two, it depends on how the questions are asked. Because there are things that the president has done that may not necessarily be popular with the American people. But if the question is asked in a certain way, it may give the perception that the American people are appreciating what the president has done. But when you see and here's the thing, I don't necessarily pay attention to one poll or even two polls. But when the polling is basically all the same and it shows that the president is underwater in just about every standard by just about every standard, the economy, immigration, foreign policy, militarily covid, I mean, Donald Trump said in the audio that I played for you earlier, and, and I agree with him, that I don't know if we've ever seen a, a president that has been so abysmal on all of these issues. I mean, congratulations, Jimmy Carter, you're no longer the worst. And so Rosen asks the question of cringe Jean-Pierre, and and she spends the next two minutes going on and on about how the polling does matter.
6: Well, here's the thing. Um, I think it's important to share that American people do approve of some of the president's initiative. I think it is important. I think it's important to to, the American people.
2: I mean, she she goes on and on and and on. uh, But see, again, here's the thing. She says, well, you know, it's important to to point point out and and note that that the American people do approve of the president's initiatives. Well, by and large, they don't, because look at the polling where you see the president, as I mentioned, he is underwater in everything. And so you you can bloviate. All you want speak on what the
6: what the American people want
2: to hear. Cringe on Pierre. You don't know you don't know the American people want to hear. You just heard her say that what the American people want to hear. The American people want to hear that Joe Biden is not running again. But you know what I would say? I would say because I know that there's, you know, a lot of talk show hosts out there who will say, well, you know, Joe Biden needs to be impeached. And And we could we could talk about that all day long. But here's the thing. I've made the decision that I would much rather see Joe Biden running against whoever the Republican is than Gavin Newsom. Because it is Biden that is doing horribly in the polling, not Gavin Newsom. And so Joe Biden has a record. He's a he's got a record of his legislation, the things that he signed, the executive orders. And the failures—that's what I want the Republicans to run against. Gavin Newsom doesn't have any of that. And the other thing is, and, and my audience in Nashville who, who listen to me on Super Talk ninety nine seven WTN, folks have heard me say this before. Where if you look at Gavin Newsom, and you look at his ability to debate, you look at his ability to defend the state of California. He is somebody who can, at the very least, put up a very good argument, even if you don't believe him, even if you disagree with him. Joe Biden is simply unable to form a coherent thought. That's the bigger issue. So while I may agree that, you know, for the president, what when, when he has not done which is protecting our southern border. You could talk about whether or not that is a high crime and misdemeanor. You can talk about, you know, all of the allegations from Hunter Biden's laptop. You could talk about, you know, the money coming from China. Is Joe Biden on the take? Is Joe Biden a president who uh, very well could be blackmailed? Does President Xi Jinping know where all the bodies are buried within the Biden administration? Does he have all the receipts and all of these other things that are the accusations of the Republicans? By and large, Joe Biden is going to have to answer for all of those things. And does he deserve to be impeached? Perhaps. I mean, I say yes. But I think that if Donald Trump is the nominee. then he's going to have a far easier time defeating Joe Biden based on his record and Joe Biden's inability to, by and large, form a coherent thought that gives Donald Trump the edge. And so you just heard cringe John Pierre and what she has to say about all of this. James Rosen, by the way, did respond and he said, OK, so does the polling matter or not?
5: The polls that show that the electorate at large and also uh, significant majorities within the Democratic Party believe uh, that the president is too old. The polls that show the American people and also significant majorities within the Democratic Party don't want him to run again and the polls that show his handling of the economy, foreign policy, all of these dismal polls, his job approval ratings, um, does the White House have any basis to challenge the accuracy of that polling?
6: I never, we never cha- I'm not challenging the accuracy here. That's not what I'm doing. Yeah, but what did. I'm saying to you is that, um, you know, we're not going to change the minds of Americans. I get that. Americans are going to feel how they feel, and we're going to respect that. And I've said that many times from here. Many times, I said that moments ago, what I can tell you is what our perspective is. What I can tell you is how we see things. And we believe experience, this president having experience to get things done is important. And we know that it's going to take some time right, for Americans to feel what we have been able to do in this administration.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sort of laughing when when she says it's going to take the the american people some time to you know feel what this uh, administration has been doing oh no we feel it and we have been from those that lost your lost their jobs because of the vaccine mandates to the economy and everything in between uh let's see here edward by the way the phone lines are open 86690redeye 8669073339 Edward is in Tampa on Red Eye Radio. Thanks for calling in, Edward. Go ahead.
7: Yeah, Dan. So I listen to
8: all kinds of media, uh, Spanish, uh, the European news, and I never asked. They never asked the president. You know, you were the one that first started sending these uh, illegals around the country. Everybody wants to think it was the uh, governors of Florida and Texas. They never ask him about his stumbles uh, when he goes up the airplane or his gabs when he's giving uh, speeches. It's, it's so biased.
2: Well, it, it and it has been for a long time, and and we um, were talking in the one of the previous segments. And thank you, Edward, for calling. Where inside the Biden administration now there is Operation Bubble Wrap Biden, and, and and Edward, that's exactly w- what I was talking about. Where and and there's been times where I, I will listen to some of these interviews, some of these one-on-one interviews with the president. You know. ABC News, NBC News, CBS, exclusive interview with Joe Biden. And it's just a bunch of softball piece of crap questions. And no follow up. That's the thing that drives me crazy. Edward, you've triggered me. That's the thing that drives me nuts. It's like they'll say, you know, hey, uh, uh, President Biden, let's talk about, uh, you know, the issues on uh, the southern border. And and he'll give some absolute B.S. answer, and they just let him get away with it. You know how how the media should should treat Joe Biden when they get their exclusive interviews? And by the way, just so you know, when ABC or CBS or NBC or CNN or MSNBC, when any of these B.S. news organizations, when they get these exclusive interviews with the president, There are agreements in place. That they won't ask about Hunter Biden. They won't ask or have the follow up questions regarding the economy, regarding the polling, regarding the border, regarding whatever it might be. They'll allow the president to basically read from the teleprompter, read from the press release, and then they move on. I mean, I've got a, a a great example where when they I, I forget who the interview was with, but I, I remember that Biden was being in the Biden administration. I know that you remember this. They were being interviewed about Iran and how Iran is has been and continues to fund terrorism, whether it is Hamas, whether it's Hezbollah, you name it. Iran funds it as far as terrorism goes. And so when. When you've got Antony Blinken and Joe Biden and crin Jean-Pierre saying, well, yeah, but they're not allowed to to use the lifted sanctions for uh, anything other than humanitarian purposes. And then you've got Iran and the leaders of Iran saying, uh, no, 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 no. We'll use that money for anything that we want. And then you go down the road of looking the other way on sanctions, which is what the Biden administration did to allow Iran to bring in tens of billions of dollars in essentially illegal oil sales. And there's no follow up to any of those questions. It's just the answer to the question. From the Biden administration is, well, we're you know, they're not allowed to use uh, the money for anything other than humanitarian purposes. And then the follow up question is exactly what I I just stated, which is what about looking the other way on the sanctions, which has brought in tens of billions of dollars in uh, illegal oil sales? What about the fact that Iran says they'll use that money for whatever it is that they want to use it for? There is no follow up. That is all part of Operation Bubble Wrap Biden from the media's standpoint. And, Edward, I appreciate your call. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. This is Dan Mandis on Red Eye Radio.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
4: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about
2: Red Eye Radio, 86690, Red Eye, 8669073339. One of my favorite uh, audio bites of the day is uh, Jamal Bowman on why the um, apparently vast majority of uh, black voters are leaving the Democrat Party.
9: People of color have been turned off for a while. Because of lack of comprehensive immigration reform, if you're talking about the Latino community. And no conversation at all about reparations if you're talking about the black community. (laughs) But we're spending hundreds of billions of dollars every year on weapons and war, but we
10: can't even have a conversation about reparations?
2: They've had conversations about reparations. Now, first of all, his opinion literally does not matter. Because he can't tell the difference between a fire alarm and a door handle. But beyond that, the conversation has been had. But let's also not forget that the uh, Democrats, uh, they, they have had majorities in uh, Congress and also the White House. And so there has been plenty of times to have those conversations. Jamal. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. Eight
2: six six ninety 90 Red Eye is the phone number, 866 907 3339. Gary and Eric, they return next Sunday night, Monday morning. I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk, 997 WTN. Uh, Media Matters. Anyone who has ever listened to talk radio, uh, listen to the great ones like, uh, Mark Levin, Rush Limbaugh, of course, Gary and Eric, and, you know, the, the great conservative voices of our time. Sean Hannity is another one. We all know very well, Dr. Laura Schlesinger, uh, we all know very well what Media Matters does. What Media Matters, they're, they're an, an organization. They're they're in my opinion, they're parasites. I mean, they go after conservatives. They go after free speech because they are as, in my opinion, as un-American as you can get, because they target conservatives and they target free speech. And so what they do, what Media Matters does is they go after they'll take little snippets or whatever, and they'll take them completely out of context and then they'll go to advertisers of some of these various shows. This was a, a famous battle between Rush Limbaugh and uh, Media Matters because they, they would take snippets of a show and they would take them completely out of context. Then they would go to, you know, Rush's advertisers and they would try to convince the advertisers that their show was in the middle of a bunch of hate-filled monologues. But one of the things that the advertisers no doubt noticed is that, well, it's interesting that, you know, we take our advertising off of, uh, you know, for example, Rush Limbaugh's show, and guess what? We're not getting near the results that we once did. Oh, and by the way, let's take a deeper dive and look at, in full context, some of the things that people like Rush Limbaugh and some of the other folks were saying and were the comments that Media Matters presented to some of these various Uh, outlets, uh, some of these various advertisers and businesses and so forth. And were the comments taken out of context? And oftentimes they were. But this has been a battle that has been going on for years and years and years and years between talk radio, conservative voices and uh, media matters. And it is just something that by and large, talk radio has had to deal with. And by the way, the ACLU, as far as I'm concerned, is nowhere to be found. Well, now we have a a brand new Media Matters controversy. As Elon Musk has now brought, what he is saying is a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters because his accusation is that Media Matters misrepresented what is happening on Twitter. Because let's face it, Twitter, they were part of, you know, the whole uh, censorship campaign that has been going on for a long time before Elon Musk bought Twitter and basically opened up the floodgates of free speech. And Media Matters doesn't like that. And there's a lot of Americans, by the way, Democrats, that don't like that either. Because they like to control everything, especially narrative. And so when it came to Twitter, pre Elon Musk, when it it came to a lot of the social media companies out there, they were ever so protective of the narrative of the Democrats. Whether they were talking about covid or the laptop from hell, we could go on and on about the censorship of conservatives on social media. Donald Trump, we all know what happened to him. When he got bounced off of Twitter. But now someone is fighting back and that someone is Elon Musk. After a slew, this is from Fox News, after a slew of advertisers, including IBM, Apple, Disney, Lionsgate and Paramount, fled Twitter X. Elon Musk pledged to hit the watchdog group with a thermonuclear lawsuit. And so what Media Matters, the accusation is, and this is, again, how Fox News puts it. I'll I'll explain this. Media Matters published a report on Friday accusing Twitter of placing ads next to white nationalist hashtags. However, Elon Musk believes that the group completely misrepresented the real user experience in order to mislead advertisers. Now, basically, what the accusation is, is that. Media Matters opened up some accounts and they followed uh, basically a whole bunch of hate groups and a whole bunch of, you know, hateful hashtags and white supremacy hashtags and so forth. And they manipulated the algorithms in that way. So that they would only follow these hate groups and then they took screenshots when all of this hateful stuff came up on that particular feed and these posts were accompanied And appeared next to the ads for all of the companies that I just mentioned. And then they took those screenshots and they presented those to the companies and they said, look what's happening on X. Look what your brand is appearing next to. They completely, according to Elon Musk, they completely misrepresented what is actually happening on Twitter or X. And Elon Musk says that he can prove it. And I believe that he can. And now the Texas Attorney General enters the equation. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is opening up up an investigation into media matters for, quote, potential fraudulent activity after ex-CEO Elon Musk accusing the left-wing media watchdog group of manipulating data on the social media platform. Republican Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey posted on Sunday that his legal team was also looking into the matter. Now, Ken Paxton is launching an official investigation with his office after being extremely troubled by the allegations, he says. And this is a quote. We are examining the issue closely to ensure that the public has not been deceived by the schemes of radical left wing organizations who would like nothing more than to limit freedom. By reducing participation in the public square. Because let's face it, if you take away the advertisers on Twitter or X, then you are limiting the ability of Twitter or X to continue. And this is something that happened after Elon Musk opened up Twitter to, by and large, free speech. The Texas Attorney General's office saying this under the Texas Business Organization's Code and the Deceptive Trade Practices Act. The O.A.G. will vigorously enforce against nonprofits who commit fraudulent acts in or affecting the state of Texas. So there's a lot to this story, and this is going to be really interesting because. there've Been a lot of people that have been trying to prove what Media Matters does for years Last week, Musk found himself in hot water after commenting on a post on X that critics believe was anti-Semitic. Since then, the tech billionaire has clarified that anyone posting genocidal content will be suspended from X. He says at the risk of stating the obvious, anyone advocating the genocide of any group will be suspended from this platform, Musk wrote on uh, X. And it goes on and on. But the bottom line is that is what Media Matters has been accused of. And so you can talk about whatever it is that Elon Musk said was taken out of context. To me, the story is about Media Matters and what they've been trying to do to talk radio for years and years. Now, in, in my opinion, this is a related story. What is going on in the state of New York and New York Governor uh, Kathy Hochul? who now is basically trying to control information, or as she likes to say, disinformation. Listen.
6: Today I'm directing the director of Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services to develop media literacy tools for K-12 in our public schools. This will teach students and even teachers to help understand how to spot conspiracy theories and misinformation, disinformation, and online hate. Start talking about what we're seeing out there. So teachers, the tools they need to help these conversations in school.
2: You know, one of the things that I would say, because she was talking about how to spot disinformation, how to spot conspiracy theories. I don't need to tell you. How many conspiracy theories have ultimately ended up turning out to be true? I mean, do I need to go down the list? Jesse Smollett, for one. Remember that whole stupid story with with old Jussie? Juicy Smoulier. I remember when and this is a minor example and I'll get into the major examples here in a minute, but I remember when that whole story came out where He said that a couple of Trump supporters, he's out there walking around Chicago, the coldest night of the year. And he's walking around, I guess, looking for a sandwich. And he gets attacked by a couple of Donald Trump supporters who just happened to have a couple of bottles of bleach and a noose. And attacked him. And I remember at the time I was on the air and I said, after I figured out who Jesse Smollett was, I said, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, who the heck is walking around Chicago at, you know, early morning hours when it's really cold outside looking for food? And then happens along a couple of guys who just happen to have bleach in a noose. This doesn't make any sense. And I had some people sending me nasty grams on Twitter and emails and so forth. How dare you question Jesse Smollett? How dare you question the victim? You must be a racist. I bet you have bleach and nooses in your car. You know, all this. And as you know. It turned out that old Juicy was lying and I was right. But people said it was a conspiracy theory. People said you were victim shaming and victim blaming If you said at the time that his story just seems a little sus. Well, how many times have we been called racist and conspiracy theorists for saying that COVID came from the Chinese lab? And now it turns out looks like that was true. Remember when they said that saying that, uh, you know, Donald Trump uh, did not collude with Russia? That you were just some sort of a, you know, some sort of a a, a Trump sycophant and sycophant and and just refused to believe that Donald Trump did anything wrong. And they were absolutely certain that Donald Trump did collude with Russia and it turned out that was not true. The laptop, uh, the laptop from hell, they said, was Russian disinformation and you were you were viscerally attacked. If you said otherwise, you were censored on Twitter, as a matter of fact. And some of these other uh, social media platforms, turns out that was true. That the laptop uh, from hell was a credible story. It was not Russian uh, disinformation. They censored you if you were uh, standing up for Donald Trump and saying that Donald Trump did not collude with Russia. They also said the vaccines were perfectly safe when we now know that people are suffering side effects. Nothing but a bunch of conspiracy theories, they said. Well, in reality, a lot of these things turned out to be, uh, you know, if you were somebody who was either questioning the narrative, defending Donald Trump, defending conservatism, then you were called anything from a conspiracy theorist to a hate monger to a racist, etc., and so, when Kathy Hochul says that they're doing whatever they can to, quote unquote, a battle disinformation, battle and spot conspiracy theories, well, according to who? Kathy Hochul, according to who? Because my definition, oftentimes, of a conspiracy theory is something that is eventually proven to be true or correct. And we've seen that time and time and time again. They want to control the narrative
6: and by teaching younger New Yorkers about how to discern between digital fact and digital fiction, we can better inoculate them from hatred Hmm. and the spread of it and help prepare them for a very fast moving and often confusing world.
2: Well, again, the more you uh, listen to Kathy Hochul and the more you hear that they're trying to battle disinformation and battle conspiracy theories, I would say that um, oftentimes it is the left and it is the mainstream media. They are the purveyors of disinformation. I mean, that's why I, I am so excited that the January 6th tapes are now being released by uh, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. And you've got all of these all of this hand wringing by some Republicans, all Democrats and many in the mainstream media, as I would say most In the mainstream media. And I think the reason why they're hand wringing over this is because they are afraid that their narrative will be completely debunked. I've got more on that in a minute. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. This is Dan Mandis on Red Eye Radio.
1: Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
2: Red Eye Radio eight six six ninety Red Eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine Dan Mandis here in for Gary and uh, Eric. You know, I've got a question for you because I got into a spirited debate with someone over the January sixth tapes and how uh, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson is uh, releasing said January sixth tapes. Now it seems to me like all the Democrats don't want these tapes released. Some Republicans don't want these tapes released, and a lot of Republicans do want these tapes released. And I think there's a couple of different things going on. I think that the Democrats were very selective in some of the uh, audio tapes and some of the videotapes that they released as part of the January 6th committee. Because they were trying to sell a certain narrative. There's some Republicans that same thing. They're anti-Trump Republicans. And so they used a video to try to uh, get Donald Trump either impeached or so that he would never be able to run for president again, you know, basically to indict Donald Trump. And so they were very selective in the video that they used. But when you start releasing a lot of the footage, the hundreds of thousands of hours of footage, you'll see a completely different narrative. For example, vast majority of these people were allowed into the Capitol, which is something a lot of us knew, but that they were also basically allowed to roam around the Capitol. But there's a lot of Republicans who say that by releasing these tapes, it drags us back to January 6th. It drags us back to that whole conversation that a lot of Republicans have been trying to move away from. Which was the allegation, the talking point that the election was stolen because that takes us away from the epic failures of Donald Trump. But for other Republicans, they say bring on that conversation. And the reason why they say bring on that conversation is because the narrative has always been that the election was not stolen. And so part of this conversation has to be where do we go from here and what can we learn from the January 6th tapes? You see, I don't believe, at least for me, I don't believe that there is anything that we can learn right now about what happened in the 2020 election. But what I can tell you is that by releasing these tapes... And finding out more information about what happened on January 6th, we can actually learn that there is a lot more to that day than meets the eye. Got a lot more straight ahead on this 866-90-RED-EYE.
1: Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Eight
2: six six ninety red eye is the phone number talking about uh, how Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, is releasing the January 6th tapes, and you've got a lot of hand-wringing on both sides. Now, I- I'm sort of framing this in a number of different ways. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is out there saying now that she is uh, combating uh, disinformation and conspiracy theories. And, and to me, New York is doing this. In kindergarten through 12th, in the schools, K through 12th, in the schools, they're putting together a program so the kids can spot conspiracy theories and disinformation. But as, as you and I know, because we listen to talk radio, And despite the fact that I've been working in it for 35 years, I'm still somehow a fan of the format. Because I love listening to Mark Levin. I love listening to Gary and Eric. I loved listening to Rush Limbaugh. I know all about how some of the things that we as talk show hosts and and, and you and I as talk radio listeners, how, how the things that we have said have been purported to be conspiracy theories. But, you know, it turned out to be true. So for me, you know what, if if I were. If I were teaching a class on how to spot uh, disinformation. I would say, well, just, you know, read The Washington Post and The New York Times. There it is right there. But just think about all of this, this media outrage about about Donald Trump trying to overturn the election of 2020 and all that that entails. And I would I would, by the way, remind you, because that's what the media keeps trying to sell you, that Trump was trying to overturn the election of 2020. And again, I I will go backwards a little bit and retrace. I'd like to remind you of just a few of the other things the media kept trying to convince you of that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. That Juicy Smoulier was actually attacked on the streets of Chicago at uh, two o'clock in the morning by a couple of Donald Trump uh, supporters. That COVID was absolutely not released one way or another from that lab in China. That the laptop from hell was Russian disinformation and that the vaccines are perfectly safe. Now we know that was uh, most certainly disinformation because people are seeing side effects, particularly young men with uh, heart issues now they're coming up uh, with. So these are all things that the media have tried to convince you of. And it turns out that we were right. And so now the January 6th tapes by releasing these tapes, does it open that conversation back to January 6th? And I'm going to air quote air, quote this stolen elections. And we end up not focusing on Joe Biden's failures. There are some people, and I believe that that is, you know, if somebody has that opinion, I understand that opinion. But we can all walk and chew gum at the same time. We can, on the one hand, focus on Joe Biden's failures and also talk about what happened on January 6th with a completely different narrative because the tapes being put put out and released gives us more information It gives us a broader perspective of what happened on that day. Now, you got some people saying, oh, my God, this is so dangerous. How is it dangerous? How is it dangerous? Watching a bunch of people walk around the Capitol. That's not dangerous. What was dangerous, you could argue, was what was happening beforehand. Where you had the Capitol Police really going after some of these folks. And I, and I do understand that there were some people who were attacking the Capitol Police as well. But let's be honest about what happened. Ultimately, the Capitol Police did allow people to come into the Capitol. But there's a bunch of questions here. Why wasn't there more security? Why did the Capitol Police simply let these people in? Why did the Capitol Police in one video I saw that they high fived one of the guys that broke in? And I don't really understand that. Some of these other folks ended up with a, what, what, what is uh, really amounted to a guided tour of the Capitol. And then they were later charged, by the way. Who was Ray Epps? What did he do? Who did he work for? Why has he never been charged when others have been charged who did very little? There's a lot of people who say that Ray Epps was working with the FBI as some sort of a some sort of an informant and embedded amongst the uh, January Sixers. And it's been said that he is one of the I'm going to put this in air quotes instigators. Who said, all right, everybody time to file into the Capitol building. And so that's one of those big questions. Did the FBI have agents planted inside the Capitol grounds? On January 6th. Now, remember when FBI director Christopher Wray was asked about all of this? And he, of course, as you can imagine, denied it.
3: Did the FBI have confidential human sources embedded within the January 6th protesters? on January 6th of
11: 2021? Well, Congressman, as I'm sure you can appreciate, I have to be very careful about what I can say about when... Even now,
3: because that's what I'm you not, told us two finish, years
11: ago. May I finish? Uh, about when we do and do not, and where we have and have not used confidential human sources. Uh, but to the extent that there's a suggestion, for example, that the FBI's confidential human sources or FBI employees in some way instigated or orchestrated January 6th, that's categorically false.
2: Well, you know, again... I don't mean to belabor the point, but when Christopher Ray says that that allegation is categorically false. Well, there's a lot of other things that the FBI has said been categorically false that turned out to be true. How many different issues have they had? Why don't I believe Christopher Ray? Well, because let's face it, they obtained FISA warrants using information on the dirty dossier as the justification for those warrants. And they knew that the information in the dirty dossier was suspect, to say the least. But they got the warrants and they renewed those warrants. Spying on the Donald Trump campaign. And again, knowing. That the dirty dossier was full of a bunch of b s so uh no, i I don't believe Christopher Ray now, I'm not going to automatically say that the FBI did or did not have agents embedded inside the Trump crowd on January sixth, but you ask me if I believe the FBI automatically? no. You, you know, you see these guys and and they come in and, you know, they're they're puff, puffy chested, you know, their chests are out and they're they're proud of the great work that the FBI does. The men and women of the FBI does day in and day out. And absolutely the rank and file of the FBI do do a lot of really good work. But I also know that there's a lot of questions regarding the behavior of of the FBI, particularly the top brass.
12: Did you have
3: confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being opened?
11: Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a can.
3: no. Can you not tell the American people? No, we did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen,
0: You
11: should not read anything into my... Decision uh, not to share
2: information. Director Ray,
12: time has expired.
2: Well, and, and again, he says that uh, that allegation is categorically false, that the FBI instigated this whole thing or were engaged in this whole thing in any way. What about the FBI colluding with social media companies to remove posts from users who had differing opinions on covid and lockdowns and so forth? Because that is absolutely what the FBI did. How about the same FBI who reached out to social media companies again, warning about Russian disinformation on the horizon, setting the table for the denial that Hunter's laptop was a real and credible story. And the FBI knew that that story was credible. The FBI knew that that story was real, but they went to the social media companies and and they said, be on the lookout for this kind of of Russian disinformation. It's exactly what they did. And the FBI is part of the DOJ, and they called parents who had an issue with progressive school boards, domestic terrorists. So, uh, you know what, Christopher Ray, I don't believe you. I don't believe you for a second. So, you can proudly talk about all that the FBI accomplishes, and I understand that. But the reality is that the FBI has a lot of, uh, has done a lot of things wrong and has been very dishonest with the American people. 86690 Red Eye is the phone number. Bill is calling from Los Angeles on Red Eye Radio. Bill, how are you?
8: How are you
2: doing today? Dan? I'm good. Go ahead. Yeah.
8: Um, you know, but when I was in uh, J- Columbia J School back in the 80s, I, I was thinking recently, what if we had found out from a congressional committee that Ronald Reagan's son was doing business with the communist Chinese and that, that a Chinese company had mailed or wired $240,000 directly to Ronald Reagan's house in Santa Barbara? I'm thinking, how would the media have reacted to that? And yet, here we've got a congressional committee documenting that 240,000 was mailed from a Chinese government front company directly to Joe Biden's house in Delaware and and the, his son and or and or his other family members got 5 million dollars after an extortion letter was was sent by Hunter Biden claiming that his dad was sitting right beside him. And you better send the money. Yep. I mean, we're living in an alternate media reality that these things are called routinely called conspiracies by media hacks and by Democrat hacks. And I'm thinking, no, no, if, if this had been Donald Trump or Ronald Reagan, they, they, this would have been a, a game changer.
2: Well, it, it would have been. And, and you're absolutely right. And you know it's interesting, Bill. I think part of this. And you having your journalism background, you you can certainly relate to this. I think part of this is the media counts on an ignorant American people because they don't delve into the details and they'll accept the media's narrative on a lot of these different stories. Because while you uh, very well laid out part of what is going on with uh, Hunter Biden, James Biden, Joe Biden, uh, China, CEFc, the whole thing. The majority of the American people, they don't take the time. They don't have the bandwidth, I'm sorry to say, to care enough to go into those details. And I think that is why it is so important that talk radio does. And and I, of course, do it. And Gary, Gary and Eric do it as well. And a lot of the voices that um, talk radio has on the air do delve into these topics because we are doing what the media simply won't and the American people won't which is go into these topics in depth, because you can't deny the money trail. You, you just can't. And, and so the more that the, the media denies that this is a reality, the more that, you know, many, many Americans refuse to follow the money, the more important it is that we do get to the bottom of these things and talk about these things. But that is exactly the kind of thing that the gov- governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, is trying to uh, keep silent with their whole thing with uh, trying to crack down on disinformation. And and for that reason, it is critically important that you call out governors like Kathy Hochul. And Bill, I appreciate the call. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here on Red Eye Radio.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
13: Red Eye Radio,
2: 86690 Red Eye. I want to get to Patricia very quickly, and she is uh, listening to us in uh, Washington, D.C., the belly of the beast. Hey, Patricia, how are you? Uh,
14: well, I'm good, and I'm glad I want to talk about Joe Biden's cognitive mental health. And also, First Lady Jill Biden, she praised Roslyn uh, for her work on behalf of mental health. Well, Jill Biden knows that Joe Biden is not cosmically well, and yet she's conning us. I mean, she's known he wasn't well since 2018-19, the first primaries. He's 100 times worse now. In fact, the people around him know. And this is not just gaslighting. This is a crime on the voting people. He should not be in there, and she should be shamed publicly for doing this. In fact, some people should be in jail. Well, it's,
2: it's, but, it's, funny, you know, it's, it's funny, Patricia, I, w- I will say this. Uh, your opening statement was that uh, Joe Biden was conning America. Trust me when I say, Patricia, no one believes, I don't care what Joe Biden says, no one believes that Joe Biden is fit to be president.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios. For Gary McDamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. This is Red Eye Radio.
2: Appreciate you listening. And the phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. You've probably been hearing uh, during the news that uh, there has been some progress in the situation, the war between Israel and Hamas. They have uh, apparently reached a temporary truce. Apparently, there's going to be no more fighting for, I think, about five days. There's going to be some hostages that are going to uh, be released, including apparently three Americans as well. So that is uh, most certainly good news. And, and by the way, it, it should be noted to you folks who are pro Hamas Uh, Israel has agreed to this ceasefire so that they can do what they can to not only get some hostages back, but also so that humanitarian aid can get into the area as well. So that is uh, part of the news cycle this morning and uh, certainly uh, good news. And and by the way, I want to play you some audio. I, I don't know. I don't know how big of a deal this is to you. But to me, Susan Sarandon, of course, so you know, that she's a flaming liberal. I want you to know that I'm a huge proponent. Of free speech. And because I'm a huge proponent of free speech, then there there are times when people, you know, during my my job, people will say, don't play that audio. Don't play that audio. They have no right to say that Susan Sarandon has every right to say some of the most. You know horrific statements about Israel that you can possibly hear, which is exactly what she did. Uh, I guess this was some point in the last 24 hours where she took to the streets. I believe it was in New York, and and she talked about the plight of the Palestinian people at the hands of Israel. Listen,
15: you don't have to be Palestinian to stand with the Palestinian people. <laughs> not have to be Palestinian to understand that the slaughter of almost 5000 children is unacceptable and a war crime.
2: Yeah, so this is Susan Sarandon. She said a lot of things. And one of the things that she said was that, quote, Jews are getting a taste of what it feels like to be Muslim. Now, in the in the soundbite that you just heard. You'll notice she didn't say anything about the atrocities of October 7th. Not one word. She's just focused on the atrocities. She says that Israel is committing. Oh, there's more.
15: I stand here in my coolly given white privilege. Right,
2: she, she, did you hear what she just said? The audio is not great, so I wasn't sure if I wanted to play it, but... She says, I stand here with my my cruelly granted white privilege. That's what she said.
15: I stand here in my cruelly given white privilege to say that you don't have to be Palestinian to stand with the Palestinian people.
2: Yeah, she also talked about how Israel is committing war crimes.
15: You do not have to be Palestinian to understand that the slaughter of almost five thousand children is unacceptable and a war crime.
2: Wow. So you know, I, I do find it interesting because you have what's happening on college campuses. You have what's happening, you know, uh, all across the country with. These what I will say is anti-Semitic, and I think a lot of people do these anti-Semitic rallies and demonstrations uh, from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free. You know what that means is the erasure of the Jewish people. Genocide. That's what that means. And so you can sit here and you can say, well, not everybody is chanting that at those rallies. But if you're at a rally and they're chanting that, or they've got signs that say that. Then you are, by and large, supporting what the people at the rally are also supporting. I wouldn't dream of going to, for example, a a KKK rally. Because I don't stand for those values. But Susan Sarandon and a lot of these other folks in Hollywood, although I, I believe I don't know, I'm maybe over my skis on this one, but I believe that the majority of people in Hollywood have not sided with the the Palestinian people or I should say Gaza and or I should say Hamas really to be far more precise. I, I believe that the majority of Hollywood has either been silent on this or they have been, you know, siding with Israel. I believe that Susan Sarandon is an outlier on this one because I will say that she she sounds awfully extreme.
15: So many people do not understand the context in which this October 7th assault happened. So, so, so,
2: So is she justifying what happened on October 7th by saying that it needs more context?
15: So many people do not understand the context in which this October 7th. Assaults
2: happened. I'll give you some context, uh, Susan Sarandon. There essentially was, I'm not going to say peace, but, you know, both sides were keeping their powder dry, if you will, in the in the two years before what happened on October 7th. And what Hamas was doing was they were basically fooling the Israelis by saying, you know what, we just want to work. We just want to come into your country. We want to work. We just, you know, we, we, we want to survive. That's what we want to do. And all the while they were being funded by Iran and they were plotting this attack with Iran. That's the context. And here's the other thing. When you go into the homes of sleeping innocent people and, and you kill 12 to 1400 of them. That is a terrorist attack. And there is nothing. There's no context with which that is a justification. None whatsoever. And so when Susan Sarandon and others, by the way, will talk about how October 7th needs more context, you really don't. There, there is no context for that. I mean, this was a slaughter. This was a terrorist attack. And the people that were killed had nothing to do with this, this thousands of years of, of conflict between these two sides. They're just trying to live their best lives. And they were slaughtered at the hand of, hands of these animals. You know, one of the things that I said last week on my uh, local show in Nashville on, on Super Talk 997, uh, I, I said that I believe that when you see these folks that are arrested for, for becoming violent, right, the, these crazed uh, nut job progressives, whatever that you want to call them, that were trying to attack the DNC. You remember this story from, I, I think it was last week. And you know, out of one hundred and fifty protesters who who were trying to get into the building and attacking the police and all that kind of stuff, I, I think only one or two of those people were arrested. But do you know what I think you ought to do with someone like Susan Sarandon? You know, what I I think you ought to do to the people who are arrested for doing these kinds of things, trying to attack the DNC and so forth? They should be required to watch the unfiltered unedited, raw video taken by Hamas as they were slaughtering and butchering babies. As they were slaughtering and butchering innocent people. That should be part of their punishment. And so for someone like Susan Sarandon, I, I would challenge Susan Sarandon and anyone else to watch that unedited video, to watch that unfiltered video, Raw video of babies being butchered, of people being slaughtered, of women being raped. And then you tell me that it needs more context. There is no justification for that. Now, Susan Sarandon does have her right to free speech and it's cost her. I'm going to play the rest of this soundbite and tell you what has happened now to Susan Sarandon.
15: So many people do not understand the context in which this October 7th assault happened. They don't understand the history of what has been happening to the Palestinian people for 75 years.
2: And by the way, uh, here's a little context for you, Susan Sarandon. Um There have been a lot of people in Gaza who have been uh, killed by Hamas. Just to let you know, with their wayward rockets, as they attempt to fire rockets into Israel, they end up hitting and destroying their own hospitals and killing their own people. Here's a little more context for you, Susan Sarandon. Hamas is using these people that you purport to care so much about as human shields. Didn't see that in your little speech. And now she has lost her agent. Susan Sarandon, even though I support her right to free speech, and I'm going to tell you something, friends. It is really hard to support the free speech of somebody, quite frankly, so dumb and so completely out of touch with reality. But she does have her right to free speech. She does have her right to uh, tell people how absolutely tell America and the world how absolutely clueless, uh, clueless she is. And now Susan Sarandon has lost her agent, the agency that handles whatever agents do for these types of actors and actresses and so forth. We'll see what else happens to Susan Sarandon as far as that goes. I don't want any harm to come to Susan Sarandon, but uh, for the for the love of all that is holy, I mean, geez, I, I can't. She talks about more context, yet she doesn't put what is happening uh, right now in context with human shields and with the wayward rockets that are fired from Hamas and some of these other uh, terrorist organizations inside Gaza and how they end up going, you know, askew and end up taking out hundreds or thousands of people in Gaza and Israel gets the blame. We see that over and over and over again. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-90-RED-EYE. And uh, want to say hello to, let's see who we have Uh, Lawrence has been holding a while, so I'll take uh, him here calling from Illinois on Red Eye Radio. Go ahead, Lawrence.
7: Yes, uh, good show, Dan. uh, You asked a while back what our impression of the January 6th was. Um, There was a little video released. uh, I call it uh, Nancy and Chucky's show. I guess Nancy's daughter just happened to be there, and Nancy and Chucky were hunkered in the bunker. And... Then she got up and she's swinging her arms around. I'm going to punch Donald Trump. I want him to come here. And I thought, well, that was, you know, you talked about the free speech. I'm glad I got to see that little piece of free speech to see how normal people in Congress are supposed to act. And, um, uh, I, I thought it was good, especially living here in the people's Republic of Illinois that I even got to see that. But, uh, Like I say, you have got a great show and I love the uh, the way you produced it. So uh, my thank you.
2: you Thank you you very much, Lawrence. I I, I do appreciate it. You know, you're talking about uh, how Nancy Pelosi wanted to punch Donald Trump in the face. Uh, I think I think if um, if you ask Donald Trump how his response uh, would be. I think Donald Trump would say, go ahead, make my day. And I appreciate the call, Lawrence, uh, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. I appreciate the kind words as well. Got a lot more straight ahead. Dan Mandis here on Red Eye Radio.
1: Lines open for your calls, 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
2: Eight six six ninety red eyes the phone number, 866 <laughs> uh, 907 people reacting to the Susan Sarandon audio, saying they've been triggered by her audio. If you think the Susan Sarandon audio was bad, you wait till we come back from the uh, next commercial break, because uh, Joe Scarborough had a thing or two to say about Donald Trump. And I'm going to play that for you as well, because... Uh, this is a guy who has absolutely no idea what he's talking about when he tries to lay down the foundation for an argument that Donald Trump is fascist. Your uh, calls right now, though, at 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. I want to say hello to this is Tom calling from Spring Valley, California. Hey, Tom, how are you?
11: Dan, listen, I'm going to get straight to it. In 1974, in August, I was embarrassed for this country, for what we had put a setting president through, for a simple 18 and a half minutes of missing audio from tapes. And I'm going to tell you something. uh, 224, you know. A thousand dollars is a whole lot worse than an 18 and a half minute gap in a tape over a simple placement of bugs in the White House. I beg your pardon in the uh, Watergate Hotel in Washington, Mm D.C. And it's disgusting to me that we ever had to do that and then turn around and have guys like this one who's collecting money from communist countries and padding his pocketbook with the money.
2: Well, a couple of things, uh, just sticking with Joe Biden for now, I mean, when you look at the the list of, of things that he is impeachable for, I mean, th- there's an abundance of them. First of all, he's not the first politician, of course, to lie to the American people. But when he was on the campaign trail and he said that his uh, son has not made money from Uh, China or any of these other countries when it is clear that not only did Hunter make money, but that the president was involved in that. And the American people know that. So that's number one. Number two, you're right. I believe that Joe Biden is compromised. And and I think that is uh, should be a very big part of the conversation. And there is at least to me clear evidence that the president is compromised. All you have to do is is look at uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping and his trip to San Francisco a few days ago, and how the president refused to call out President Xi Jinping from China on a multitude of issues. I mean, I believe that that is part part of the uh, evidence that Joe Biden is compromised because uh, this is a this is a Chinese President Xi Jinping who absolutely has blood on his hands and for this president to welcome Xi Jinping into our country on our soil after his country's fentanyl has killed hundreds of thousands of Americans not to mention the theft of our intellectual property not to mention all the other things that China has done to weaken America do I need to go through COVID again I don't so, think you do all right, thank, thank, thank you thank <laughs> you. I think I've triggered myself, uh, friends. Uh, Very quickly, let's say hello to Warren in Scottsdale, Arizona, on uh, Red Eye Radio. Hey, Warren. Hey, how you doing? I'm okay. Um,
8: I just wanted to bring up, um, uh, I really love your show, first of all. I just want to let you know that. Um, And the second thing I wanted to let you know is, I saw on Newsmax today, you were bringing up the whole thing about the, uh, that there was, you know, maybe no evidence about whether the FBI was embedded and Chris Ray was basically trying to lie as, you know, basically say there was nobody there. Um, but they showed a video today on Newsmax and it basically showed them this. It had not only video, but audio and they actually had the, uh, they were FBI agents that were discussing Trump. And basically uh, what they're going to do with the Trump supporters, bringing them in and stuff. And they were hiding their badges. You, sh- They showed them wearing Trump gear and everything with Trump hats and everything else. And they said that they were going to be leading them into the building and stuff like that. And they have them on audio. They actually had a video today that I saw of that. The second thing.
2: Well, it, it, Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I, I accidentally hung up on him. Call me back. I want to hear your second thing. I also want to find that video, the Newsmax. Newsmax is found amongst the newly released uh, January 6th tapes. Thanks for calling in. Call back if you would.
1: Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. Here is Dan Mandus. Eight
2: six six nine zero Red Eye. Eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. I forgot the guy's name that called earlier, but he was uh, talking about some Newsmax, uh, Newsmax audio and video that uh, apparently they have uncovered from these January sixth tapes, where it it does show, it purports to show that uh, the FBI did have uh, some of their agents embedded with these Donald Trump supporters as they were uh, in the Capitol building. I, I'm looking for the link. And, and by the way, if you see the link and if you're listening, I told the guy to call back. I accidentally hung up on him. I'm, I'm very technologically challenged. So I accidentally hung up on him. But if, if he's still listening and wants to call back, I'll get him right on. But if, if you know the link again, I'm on Newsmax. I am looking for this uh, audio. Uh, My email address is uh, Dan at 997WTN.com. That is the radio station that I'm on Monday through Friday in uh, Morning Drive, 6 to 10 Eastern. And you can listen to uh, that at 997WTN.com. We are also, if you want to uh, watch the radio show, you can on Facebook or at the website 997WTN.com or on uh, YouTube. Joe Scarborough, very quickly, he was... um, On MSNBC, and he is trying to make the claim. And it's a familiar claim, of course, that Donald Trump is fascist. And so some some guy from the, uh, you know, some egghead, I would say, from The New York Times. It's such an easy argument to make for the Democrats. Donald Trump is fascist. Donald Trump is Hitler. All of his supporters or all of his followers, they're nothing but a bunch of Nazis. Right. I mean, we've been hearing this for years. And so Scarborough, I don't know when this was. I think it was on um, today's Wednesday, right? So I think it was on Tuesday morning. He starts talking about how Donald Trump is fascist. And he he lays out all of the arguments from this egghead in The New York Times, who is trying to purport step by step, one by one, how Donald Trump is a fascist. And so here's uh, what Joe Scarborough had to say. I, I, there's a difference between conservatism
16: radicalism and fascism. This is fascism. This is this is uh, the Times uh, quotes uh, an expert on the topic. Fascism is generally understood and this is boilerplate stuff, really, for what fascism is. Fascism is generally understood as an authoritarian, far-right system of government in which hypernationalism is a central
2: component. Check. Okay, so I'm going to do these one by one. He says hypernationalism is a component of, of fascism. And he's saying that Donald Trump was, uh, you know, hyper nationalistic, I suppose. So here's what I would say to that. If wanting a secure border, this is like a, a memo to Joe Scarborough. If wanting a secure border. Is somehow indicative of fascism. I think that is absolutely insane because that's what Donald Trump wanted. He simply wanted a secure border. And seeing as what we have seen under the regime of Joe Biden with his open border policies, it is clear that that Donald Trump was correct in wanting a secure border. And by the way, he also wanted the immigration system fixed in this country. Because he said many, many, many times that we need legal immigration in this country. And most conservative conservatives, by the way, will tell you that. But we need to fix the immigration system by and large. But we do need to secure our border. So for Joe Scarborough to say, oh, well, being, you know, hyper nationalistic, that is a sign of fascism. No, it's really not. Wanting to protect Americans from Chinese espionage. And intellectual property theft, which is something that Donald Trump was very passionate about, and I'm very passionate about that as well. I, 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 am I a fascist? Am I a Nazi? No. I'm an American who's looking out for my country because we are getting ripped off by China. And so wanting to protect yourself and your country is now somehow fascist according to Joe Scarborough? Okay, Joe. That's not hypernationalism. That's smart. Oh, but what about the Muslim ban? Uh, yeah, it wasn't a Muslim ban. What Donald Trump did, and and you know this because I spoke about this the last time I filled in for Gary and Eric. If it was truly a Muslim ban, then Donald Trump would have banned Muslims from all of those other Muslim majority countries. But he didn't. And by the way, it wasn't a ban. It was a pause. And Donald Trump put a pause on people coming in from countries where there were a lot of people who were incredibly anti-American and calling for violence against America. Is that hyper-nationalistic? Or is that simply smart, Joe Scarborough? It also features a cult of personality around a strongman leader, Chuck. No. Let's talk about this a little bit. A cult of personality around a a, a strong leader. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because while Joe Biden is, is certainly not strong. This is a president who, when he was running for president and now as president, although it's not so much lately, who was absolutely protected. By the media. In any number of different ways. So I could say that there is also a a cult of personality and I'm going to get to the whole, you know, Donald Trump is a cult of personality example in a second. But when it comes to Joe Biden, when you look at how this guy has been protected by the media and how the Democrats will not as much lately, but in the beginning, the Democrats absolutely ignored so many of Joe Biden's flaws. So who's more of a cult of personality? And don't even get me started on Obama. Now let's talk about Donald Trump. Is Donald Trump a cult of personality? Example, whatever. Or are people responding to the fact that Donald Trump stood up to Washington, D.C., exposed the mainstream media, exposed what was going on, triggered So many people in the media, in the Republican Party and uh, in Washington, D.C., on both sides of the aisle. And so here was a guy that was speaking directly to America like no politician really had ever done before. That doesn't make him a cult of personality. That makes him real. And you look at the four years that Donald Trump was in office. It was real good. When you talk about a lack of wars across the world, we weren't involved in in any wars. You can look at the border, which was by and large, generally speaking, under control. The economy was doing well as well. And so what Joe Scarborough calls a, a cult of personality, at least to me, people are responding not to his personality. But to the things that he did for America, there are things that Donald Trump does and and did that made me facepalm. But at the same time, I, I recognized that a lot of the things that he did during his first four years in office were really good things for the American people. So, no, Joe Scarborough. That's not a check. The justification of violence or retribution against opponents. Check. No. The justification of retribution against opponents. Um, Didn't. Joe Biden's FBI Department of Justice go after conservatives. Yeah, they did. And by the way, didn't Obama go after conservatives and, and reporters. Didn't Obama do that? So so aren't the Democrats guilty of doing that, of going after uh, political opponents? Because I know that Joe Biden did that. I know that his administration uh, did that. The DOJ going after parents who were concerned with uh, radical, progressive leftist school boards. Didn't uh, Joe Biden's DOJ and and FBI, didn't they go after the free speech of conservatives? Why? Yes, Joe Scarborough. Yes, they did. Check. And yeah, Obama went after reporters and yes, Obama went after conservatives. So Joe Scarborough, the more that he speaks, the more that uh, as I was reviewing this audio, the more I realized that uh, he, he is actually describing his own party. And by the way, he purports to be a Republican. I don't believe that he is. And the repeated denigration of the rule of law. Check, no, the denigration of the rule of law. Um, what about our immigration laws, uh, Joe Scarborough? Doesn't Joe Biden denigrate our immigration laws, the rule of law? Of course he does. So if you want to use that as some sort of a check against Donald Trump, which I don't agree, we could certainly use that as a check against Joe Biden. Said Peter Hayes, a historian who has studied the rise of fascism. Past
16: fascist leaders appealed to a sense of victimhood to justify their actions.
2: Check. Nope. Uh, Oftentimes, Democrats allow soft on crime policies Because they believe laws and sentencing are racist. And that stems from slavery. Victimhood, past crimes and so forth. So for everything that uh, Joe Scarborough says, I can go right back to the Democrat Party, his party. He's not a conservative. He's not a Republican. I can go back to the Democrat Party and, and Joe Biden and Obama and say the same damn thing. So nice try, Joe.
16: We're entitled because we've been robbed. We've been victimized. We've been cheated and robbed.
2: Check. Sounds like uh, sounds like a lot of these folks that are breaking into stores and and rioting uh, during the summer of love in uh, 2020. Right. I mean, so you had uh, George Floyd and he and he was. Uh, Killed by that police officer. And so you had all these people that are rioting all across the country. And what do you see? You know, they feel like they've been robbed. They feel like they've been wronged. And the cops are racist and all this other stuff. And then that is justification for them to break into Best Buy or Target and Walmart and and steal a TV or break into liquor stores and, and steal a bunch of alcohol and so forth. I don't see Joe Scarborough talking about that.
16: Check. No, nope. check. No nope. whining. The snowflakery coming from the Trump people. I mean, a, a, a snowflake falls
2: on their shoulders and, and they're victimized. Oh my God. He is such an idiot. Do you remember when Donald Trump was sworn in as president and, and you had these progressives out there in Washington, D.C.? No. Remember that whole thing? I mean, it's, that's the snowflakery on the left. I mean, I realize now we're just kind of being silly because he's pointing fingers at at us and I'm well, I mean, you know, conservatives and um, and, and I'm pointing a finger right back at him. But I mean, my Lord, if you want to talk about snowflakery, Joe Scarborough, just look at your party. The Democrats, because, no, you purport to be a Republican. You're not. Uh, they're victimized by history books on Hank Aaron.
16: Uh, they're victimized by 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 kids books uh, on Roberto
2: Clemente. They're victimized by tweets. They're victimized. You. Oh, they're victimized by tweets. Oh, please. The, the Democrats and, and the people that hated Donald Trump, they were apoplectic when it came to Donald Trump and uh, his tweets. So Joe Scarborough, I mean, he he can say what he wants. He can do what he wants. It's a free country. But I I would not so respectfully suggest to Joe Scarborough that you might want to look at yourself and your own party, the progressives, because you're not a Republican, uh, before you start throwing stones at uh, Donald Trump and his supporters. eight six six ninety 90 red eye 866-907-3339. Dan Landis here. This is Red Eye Radio.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
2: Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eye is the phone number, 8669073339. I am scanning and scouring Newsmax and their website looking for this uh, link that a guy had had mentioned to me that proves that the FBI was embedded within the J6ers. I have not found the video, so if, um, if you can find it, my email is dan at 997wtn.com. I am Dan Mandis. In for Gary and Eric here on Red Eye Radio. Want to take some uh, phone calls in the next hour. That uh, telephone number is eight six six ninety Red Eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. There is a, a couple of stories out there that I do want to get to, including uh, as I'm on the Newsmax website. Ron DeSantis is, of course, challenging Donald Trump to a Newsmax debate. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more straight ahead. And your calls eight six six ninety Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Unit and America Studios for Gary McDamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. This is Red Eye Radio. eight
2: six six ninety red eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. Gary and Eric return next Sunday night, Monday morning. I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. You can get more information at the website 99.7 WTN.com or on social media. I'm on all the socials at Dan Manda Show. I do find it interesting that you have a lot of people in the Republican Party who are criticizing Donald Trump for not wanting to debate. And I don't believe that there is any reason to uh, debate. If you're Donald Trump, you've certainly uh, proven that you can handle the job of uh, being a president of the United States. So I-, I will say this, if I'm advising Donald Trump, which uh, the last thing that he wants to do is take advice from me. But what I would say is you don't have to uh, debate because quite frankly, you have four years in office. You've you know presented your case to the American people uh, in your experience in the four years that you were uh, president. But I also disagree with President Trump because he is saying that the remaining debates. And I don't. I, I've I've seen the headlines. I'm just going to sort of comment on this sort of generically. He says that uh, the Republican Party needs to be sort of reformed or reorganized if these debates continue because the debates should not continue because it is clear that the Republican Party wants him as the nominee. I also disagree with that. So on the one hand, I'm agreeing with Trump on one thing and disagreeing with him on another because DeSantis was out there saying that he wanted to debate Trump. And Trump is basically saying, nah, here's the thing though, when Donald Trump says, well, we need to reorganize the Republican Party and, and these debates should not be happening. Well, there's other reasons to debate. I mean, you're, you're looking at who's left, right? It's it's Nikki Haley. It is uh, Ron DeSantis. I think that it's uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. And I, I, I can't remember who else is left. Tim Scott dropped out and the other folks dropped out as well. But here's the thing is that There's other reasons for these folks to debate. I do understand that it is a a presidential primary, you know, for the Republican Party. But there's cabinet choices that the president, uh, if Donald Trump is uh, the nominee and if he's the uh, eventual eventual winner, we don't know. But if he does eventually win, then he could pick any one of those folks for a cabinet position. I think Vivek Ramaswamy would be absolutely epic as a press secretary for Donald Trump. I, I think that even though he swears that if he ends up you know, losing, that he's going to go back to the private sector. That's what Vivek Ramaswamy says. I think he would want to become secretary just because it would be fun. I, I think that would be one of the more uh, epic examples of a an administration, a presidential administration, uh, putting someone in a position just as a big middle finger to the media that would be covering it. I I think that would be great. But, you know, I I don't believe that I I think that uh, Ronna McDaniel has to go. Uh, I I would say that I would absolutely agree with that assertion. But as far as uh, all of these debates go, I I think you, you do continue to have these debates because that is how the party does need to operate. And by the way, the the more that these debates go on, the better Donald Trump looks. So there is that aspect to it as well. And, and I do understand. And I said this earlier. I always have to give this disclaimer. I am a free agent, so I'm not out here you know, on the radio. Donald Trump can do no wrong. You know, all those kinds of things. No, I'm 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 a free agent. You know, if if I decided that for whatever reason, Donald Trump wasn't my guy, I would go with Uh, perhaps Ron DeSantis. But right now I'm a free agent and I liked Tim Scott a lot. I I like uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, but there's some things about him that that I have disagreed with. And, um, you know, so far I like where Donald Trump is going. I like that uh, this is a a president who had a good four years in office. And if you think about it, I mean, with all the different uh, ways that he was attacked, impeached, investigated i don't need to tell you what happened in those four years he really was operating with one hand tied behind his back imagine what he could do with another four years Eight six six ninety red eye is the phone number some folks have been waiting a long time so i want to get to you paul listening in houston paul thanks for calling red eye radio how are you
17: i'm doing all right dan appreciate you getting to my call uh I think it's important that these January 6th tapes get out for the American public to see, Mm -hmm. because one thing is the shaman that supposedly was a ringleader. Yeah. After, you know, when Tucker Carlson reviewed, you know, put out the only tape that he put out, which showed the shaman being escorted around the Capitol by police, like a tour Yeah. that his, uh, his uh, sentencing was reviewed and reduced because he was made to look like evil incarnate according to January 6th and according to the prosecutors. And, and I, you know, and, and i and I I saw something on another show this week about a young man named Patow or Pratau. Jason was his first name. His, 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 his his, uh, mom talked about him that, He was up there and showed a similar tape with him being escorted by police, just walking around, taking pictures, not harming anyone or anything.
2: Well, and that's and 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 he was
17: was arrested.
2: Uh, Hey, hey, Paul, I I will say, Paul, I will say this. I appreciate the call. Um, You're right. There's a lot of January sixers. We got a guy here in Tennessee. I'm, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and we got a guy in Tennessee. His name is Stuart Parks. And he ventured inside the Capitol. But so far, and and he's been sentenced to eight months in prison and he didn't do anything. He walked in. He didn't threaten anybody. He, as far as I know, uh, he didn't vandalize anything. But the judge who and I forget the judge's name, but the judge who uh, Stewart went in front of. And this is a guy that I've interviewed. And and this is a guy who I'm telling you, uh, Paul, would not hurt a fly. And he has been sentenced to eight months in federal prison for literally just walking into the Capitol. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. And they're being held in in absolutely horrible positions and and, and conditions, I should say. And so, yeah, this is something that is going to continue uh, to reverberate. And And when if and when if and when Donald Trump ends up back in the White House, Uh, One of the things that Donald Trump has said, because the question has been asked, okay, so if you uh, end up back in the White House, will you pardon the January Sixers? Uh, Paul, this is what uh, Trump has been asked. And and I I like what Trump had to say. What Donald Trump said is it's got to be on a case by case basis, because if if one of these January Sixers actually did attack a, a Capitol police officer, then he has to face consequences. But if somebody just basically trespassed into the Capitol and and that's it, that is not an eight months in a federal prison kind of crime. And, Paul, I really appreciate uh, you call very much. Let's say hello to uh, this is David in Watsonville, California. Uh, David, you're on Red Eye Radio. Thank you for calling.
18: I love when you're on all the time. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'd like to also speak about Sarandon, if I may, but first I called about the FBI. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mankind, as the Wizard of Oz suggests, has an inclination or an urge to let Big Brother take over so he can just relax and let the government make all his decisions. And I think the FBI is falling into this trap like we know better than the public, and you, you need us to make decisions for you. And it's very ominous, what I'm seeing with our government. But if I may speak about Sarandon, may? Sure, go ahead. Well, no doubt, her publicity company that dropped her was controlled by Jewish people, like most of LA and most of Hollywood is. And if I was in Sarandon's shoes, I would say, that's another thing. You know, we got Elon Musk's rocket blowing up the same week he criticized Israel, and now I'm getting dropped. And we have another matter to think about here in America, folks. In other words, she could turn this uh, being blackballed into a whole new issue that I think America needs to hear. Because if you really think about the Israeli situation, there I go on a post that the powers that be put there to foment war so we can commit the Crusades all over again and find excuses to kill Islamists.
2: OK, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to follow. So a w- couple things. Su- as far as Susan Sarandon goes, she has a right to say what she wants. And uh, if the if her uh, publicity company, if her agents decide to drop her, uh, that is their decision. I, I don't know if her uh, if her agency is run by Jewish folks or not. It is possible that her comments were. Uh, so incredibly insulting to the vast majority of the American people that they just decided this is not someone that we want to work with because we have such incredible uh, what's our way to put this. Uh, We disagree with her so much on her stance on Israel versus, uh, you know, Hamas. And so there is that part of it as well. And so and I, uh, David, I appreciate uh, the call is as, as far as uh, the war between Israel and, and Hamas, I, I feel like I've talked that uh, to death. But w- what I would say is that for me, uh, October 7th, and this is kind of where I, I land on this. October 7th was to me really the start of a whole new uh, battle between Hamas and uh, and the Palestinians and Israel. And the reason why is because that was such a brutal attack. That was such a senseless attack. That was an attack that was uh, an attack on on babies. That was an attack on innocent people. And so I, I feel like regardless of what happened before October 7th. What happened on October 7th was so beyond the pale, was so incredibly horrific, was so incredibly um there's no other way to say it. I mean, it, it was it was another day of genocide for the Israelis. And so to me, regardless of what happened in the past, despite what Susan Sarandon would say, there is no context and there is no justification for what happened on October 7th. Now, Rashida Talib and some of the folks that are out there that are anti-Israel, uh, they will um, they will be OK with these attacks. I played the audio of Susan Sarandon, where she said that the attacks on October 7th need more context. There is not there is not any amount of context that will justify what Hamas did. And that's why she was dropped, because I think that there's a a lot of people who feel like what she said was just so incredibly horrific. Uh, Steve is in Casa Grande, Arizona, on Red Eye Radio. Steve, how are you?
12: Hey, doing pretty good. You know, this reminds me of that. Remember that, uh, Laurel and Yanni thing where one person would hear Laurel and another one would hear Yanni. This, this, this that's what reminds me of when you have a Republican and a Democrat, because I'm Republican. And what I see with Joe Biden is a complete dereliction of duty. Just when he, when he first started office and, uh, you know, opened up the border, brought in the fentanyl, changed our uh, energy policies so that yep. we had this rapid inflation from that, and then we also now the interest rates and just a complete mess. And then, uh, and that's what I see as a Republican, but a Democrat sees a complete opposite thing. And I can't, I just can't. Just like, just like the Laurel and Yanni, thing. Like when I hear Laurel and somebody else. Here's the exact same thing, but they hear Yanni. It's the same thing. It's like uh, I'm seeing one thing, but a Democrat is seeing something completely different. And well, it's, and, mind, and, it's and, mind-boggling.
2: And, and Steve, what what I would say is, I, I I don't believe the Democrats are that stupid. Like I I believe that they know that the border is a complete mess. They know that fentanyl coming into our country is. A complete mess, and it is something that absolutely proved that their policies are disastrous. They also know that Joe Biden uh, is not well. He's not all there, cognitively speaking. However, to well, admit all to of, but, but to, but if I may, Steve, to, for, for the Democrats to admit all of those things that I just mentioned, that would mean that Donald Trump and the Republicans and conservatives we're right. And the Democrats are are not about to uh, admit that. And, and last thing I'll say, Steve, is that for the uh, for the Democrats and for the Biden administration, they know that the American people are horrified as far as what's going on on the southern border. But what the Biden administration is trying to do is they're trying to import a completely new voting block. And so they're letting uh, Joe Biden take the political bullet for that, because for them, the greater good is to have all of these, uh, you know, eventually these folks will be given the opportunity to vote through amnesty and so forth. And their thinking is that these people will all vote Democrat. And uh, I very much appreciate the call. Steve, eight six six ninety 90 red eye Dan Mattis here. This is Red Eye Radio. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret.
13: Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Roadside inspections all begin with the driver interview, during which the officer will gather basic information from the driver and prepare the driver for the inspection. The officer will also be evaluating the driver, determining if the driver can speak English, is under the influence of anything, has an illness, or is fatigued. The officer will ask the driver for required documents, including vehicle and driver credentials, the driver's log, and shipment paperwork. The officer may also conduct a vehicle inspection. Before beginning the inspection, the officer will take steps to make sure the inspection can be done safely. These include chalking the wheels, wearing personal protective equipment, and explaining what will be required of the driver. The driver needs to pay close attention to these instructions so that the vehicle inspection can be conducted in a manner that is safe for the inspection official. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com.
1: Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
2: Eight six six ninety Red Eye is the phone number eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. Want to say hello to Andy in Butler, Pennsylvania on Red Eye Radio. Hey Andy, how are you?
10: I'm good. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um,
2: I had one point, now I got
10: two, and I'll, I'll try to be quick. On you're talking about Scarborough, you actually gave examples. He didn't. He just made. He just said things. But he could give no examples. You actually gave examples to show how they're talk- How when he's talking about that, he's really talking about what Democrats do. Yeah. And the other point I had is simply this: um, I've heard about the deal to release hostages. What I haven't heard the American news media do or seem to be interested in at all is exactly how many hostages does Hamas have, and what are their names? And why hasn't that been the question asked every day, uh, whenever they do press briefings to the you know to the press secretary? Right. Who right. are these Americans, and do we have proof that they're alive? And I think the reason why the American media won't ask the questions, uh, I'm going to call it the uh, uh, the Jimmy Carter effect. Okay. Because they're afraid if they and they're afraid if they ask about hostages and make Joe Biden look even sillier than he is, it's going to hurt him come the election. So, well, more it.
2: I, I Andy, I, I about hostages. well, I appreciate the call. I think part uh, part of what's going on is I, I don't know if they know. Uh, Who the hostages are, to be honest with you now in the news this morning. And by the way, I don't know if there is a way, Andy, for Joe Biden to look worse. Probably there is. Gosh, don't let's not go down that road because there always is a way for Biden to look worse. But what I would say is the good news is we do have apparently out of these 50 hostages that are about to be released, three are American hostages. So that is very good news. And uh, Andy, I appreciate the call. And I also appreciate the kind words. Eight six six ninety red eye coming up next. I cannot wait to tell you what is going on in Portland. It is all straight ahead on Red Eye Radio.
1: Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. Here is Dan Mandis.
2: Eight six six ninety red eye is the phone number. 866 907 You can follow me on the socials at Dan Mandis Show. Opioids continue to destroy America. And Portland has learned their lesson big time because, you know, these soft on crime policies by the uh, Democrats, they really do destroy communities. And so there's a story on Fox News. Here's part of the story. It's it's a longer story, but I'm going to focus on the part where the people of Portland are now demanding change, a change back to before they were soft on crime. From Fox News headline, Oregon opioid deaths increase 13 times after Drug Decriminalization Act. And that is what they did. They decriminalized uh, drug usage. And so now it it is the uh, the scourge of of drugs in Portland has just it it keeps going up. It is skyrocketing as Oregon reaches the three year anniversary of passing its trailblazing law. You're criminalizing hard drugs like heroin, meth, and cocaine. Death and devastation are pushing many to plead for its reversal. Because that's what happens. You know, everybody thinks, oh, yeah, let's be, uh, you know, let, let's have laws that are, you know, more sympathetic and empathetic. And let's not send these people to jail. Let's send them to, oh, I don't know, some sort of drug rehab. Well, what happened in Oregon is they passed Measure 110, 58% of the people there approved it. But here's the problem is they didn't have the ability to treat all of the people that uh, had the drug problems. So they didn't go to jail. They didn't have the uh, you know health facilities set up. And so they just ended up not dealing with the drug problems at all. And so now what that's done is the drug usage and the deaths have skyrocketed in uh, Oregon. According to an August poll, by the way, these numbers real quick, uh, opioid deaths in Oregon have skyrocketed to 955 this year. That is up from 280 in 2019. Before the law, Measure 110, was passed. So I'm going to go through that again. Before the law was passed in 2019, they had 280 deaths. This year, 955. That's 13 times higher. According to an August poll from Emerson College, a 56% of Oregonians, that's a majority, Now support overturning the law, which made possession of some illicit drugs punishable by a maximum of one hundred dollars, a maximum fine of one hundred dollars, which can be avoided with a, quote, health assessment, a 24 seven phone service that will help determine what services the person calling might need. But the problem is they just they couldn't get it set up right. An even larger number of Oregonians, nearly two thirds, supported now repealing parts of this measure 110 to restore penalties for possessing drugs, according to the poll, while only 36 believed that it should be left as is. I mean, isn't that typical? So you you can clearly see that the passage of this measure 110 has led to an astronomical increase in deaths because they don't really deal with the problem. And so then what happens? The problem gets worse. Yet there's somehow 36% of people that say, ah, no, it's working great. Michael Bach is with law enforcement in Portland, and he told Fox News that these numbers actually don't even tell the whole story.
9: But I can just tell you from my experience that, uh, ugh, This breaks my heart. These are uh, what happened before 110 got passed was that I revived zero people. And since 110's passing, it's almost daily. These are friends. They are brothers, fathers, sisters, cousins. We're talking about the loss of life and We have to do something different. This is serious.
2: Yeah, again, that is Michael Bach, and he is uh, with law enforcement in Portland. He was talking to Fox News, and yeah, the the numbers don't tell the whole story. By the way, talking about this 110, critics at the time argued the measure was experimental. Remember, this was uh, considered groundbreaking at the time. However, the state was ill-equipped to handle the dramatic change. The bill initially aimed to keep those struggling with addiction out of the prison system by opting for more health services. The problem is they didn't have the appropriate uh, infrastructure to help these folks. And so what happened is they I don't know if you want to say they fell through the cracks, but they weren't going to prison. And they weren't going to the, the drug or mental health facilities they needed to go to. And isn't that part of the problem where, you know, you, you have these do-gooders, no, no offense to you Democrats, but sometimes, you know, you all have the, the, the dumbest of ideas and you don't think things through. You know, sometimes people, especially on the left, what they like to do is they like to pass what I call feel good legislation, but it actually doesn't solve any problems. It makes things worse. America needs to be welcoming. So let's have no border policy whatsoever and just let everybody in. Consequences be damned. And now you've got all these Democrat uh, run cities like New York who are suffering severe consequences. So it always sounds good, doesn't it? You know, all of these we need to defund the police. After George Floyd. Great sentiment if you're someone on the left. But the reality is that defunding the police has done irreparable harm to Democrat run cities, major cities, all across America on a number of fronts. Number one is you essentially gave the bad people, the bad guys, the permission to go out and commit crimes. And we are seeing that every single day. And of course, we have a severe shortage of police in cities all across America as well. Why? Because they've been demonized by people on the left. So you have all of these things that the Democrats do. That I think sound good in their minds, but in reality, they don't think things through. And you know who ultimately suffers? Well, in the case of the uh, defund the police movement, it was the, the cities that uh, they themselves represent. And oftentimes it was the black community that suffered. By the defunding the police movement, because that means there's fewer police in those cities. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. I mean, I, I guarantee you that the Gary and Eric, when that whole defund the police movement was going on, I, I guarantee they were saying, like I was saying here in Nashville, this will hurt the black community. Doesn't matter. Because defund the police looked great on a hashtag and sounded great as they were protesting through the streets of You name the Democrat run city that is now destroyed because of those policies. It's the same thing here. It is the same thing here in Oregon. Oh, yeah. Let's keep those struggling with addictions out of prison and let's just, you know, send them for more health care services. Do you have the infrastructure? Well, no, but we want to pass it anyway. Oh, OK, why? Because it just sounds good on a hashtag. OK, well, now you have a bunch of dead people. Congratulations, Democrats. You've struck again. You're crushing it. Going back to this audio from Michael Bach, law enforcement in Portland. You know, one of the things that he said to Fox News is that the people who voted for this law, this law, the Measure 110, Their intentions, going back to the intentions, right, their intentions may have been good, but it was an incredible failure on a lot of different levels. And he did tell Fox News that he doesn't necessarily know why they voted for this in the first place. But unfortunately, they did.
9: I don't know. I haven't spoken to them directly. What I can tell you is that it seems as though they didn't want people who were burdened with addiction to be punished by the criminal justice system. What I think is that right now people need to come together and realize that this is just an incredible burden, an incredible crisis. And that people out here that myself, my coworkers, the rest of my team are interacting with are real. They are they have families and friends. And whatever that hope was
2: has to be different than what it is now. Well, and, and, and I see what he's saying. Here's part of the problem with the Democrats. And I, why does this sound like a recurring theme tonight? They don't want to admit when they're wrong. And so you've got what is happening in Oregon and specifically in Portland. You have what's going on in places like San Francisco, Chicago, a lot of these different places. And if you if you change the law, if you change certain aspects of Measure 110 there in Oregon, then that would be the Democrats admitting that their own policies are destructive and grotesque. And has led to the deaths of thousands of people across the country. Does it matter to the Democrats? Well, no. Because it looks good on a sign and it looks good on a hashtag. This guy, Michael Bach, last uh, audio bite here. He says that the people who voted to pass this law, it was uh, again, it was, uh, you know, something they talked about. uh, 2019 is when all of this came down. Uh, They now understand how wrong they were. And uh, this guy, Michael Bach, is hopeful that they will change the law back.
9: Uh, I hope so. Uh, I I can't tell you I haven't had conversations or coffee with them, but I'm happy to. Uh, I wear my boots out out here in Old Town and in downtown Portland. And every day this is a regular occurrence. Um, The people out here who are burdened with this addiction are being cast to the side. And it's really, really heartbreaking. So I can't speak to what others see or do. But I can tell you from boots on the ground, uh, this is tragic
2: and it's got to change. It's tragic. It's got to change. And it is deadly. You know, you talk about the you talk about the policies of the Democrats. I mean, it's not hyperbole to say that their policies are deadly. Paul is in Idaho on Red Eye Radio. Paul, thanks for calling in. Go ahead.
14: Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Um, This is a subject that that strikes really close to home to me, period, as far as that's concerned. Um, I just celebrated 30 years of continuous sobriety, and um, there's been no breaks in it. I feel like I'm the luckiest man in
2: the world. Congratulations, Paul. That's great.
14: It's not not me doing it. It's a power greater than myself, who I choose to call God, that's doing it for me. And I have to work at it each and every day. You know, there's a lot of things that go on in the recovery process. One is you first have to admit that there's a problem. You don't admit there's a problem, you ain't going to get help because you're not going to want help. You want to stay sick. And there's a lot of things that happen when you stay sick. People get robbed, people get mugged, people get shot, people get stabbed. You know the list. And it's not solely because of the, the, the Dems and the decisions that they make, but the lady over there, when she was governor, made a horrible mistake in allowing that to, that to happen, to legalize hard narcotics and everything else down the line. They made it legal to be able to do that and to be risked if necessary when you got pulled over or what have you. If you had narcotics on you, you didn't get arrested.
2: Well, hey, 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 Paul, so, let me let's, hey, Paul, let yeah. me ask you, hey, Paul, if I can, as an addict, as a former addict, when you hear that where it was like, well, we're not going to criminalize this. We're going to send you to, you know, some health services, but the health services weren't set up yet that clearly would result in more drug use and deaths right i mean obviously Absolutely. all right paul i appreciate the call thank you very much i, I gotta run i'm late for a break but congratulations on your sobriety 866-90-RED-EYE
1: get in touch with red eye radio toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE
2: Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eyes, the phone number, 8669073339. Dan Mann is here in for Gary and Eric. They return next Sunday night, Monday morning. Now, if you're wondering about me, I host a radio show, a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk, 997 WTN, and um, that is from 6 to 10 eastern time so if you'd like to listen in feel free at 99.7 wtn.com you can also find me on instagram facebook and uh, youtube as well where we broadcast the show there via video got a whole lot more straight ahead right here on red eye radio
1: This is Red Eye Radio